0: Hi, everyone. Welcome to this month's episode of Rebecca and Rebecca. My name is Rebecca Yager, and my partner in crime from Indiana is the fabulous Rebecca Reed. How are you doing, Rebecca?
1: I'm well. How are you, Rebecca?
0: Doing doing great. Looking forward to this month's interview. Please welcome our fabulous author, Linda Samaritan. Linda, thanks for being here. Thank you for inviting me. I appreciate it. Before we dig into Reaching into Silence, which we reviewed last month um, on the Rebecca and Rebecca podcast and YouTube channel, let's hear more about you. So, Rebecca, do the honors. Tell us about Linda.
1: Okay. Well, Linda Samaritan writes realistic fiction, mostly for kids ages 10 to 14. She always figured she'd reach teens and tweens for 65 years, or she'd teach them. Sorry, not reach them. I mean, reaching and teaching, very similar. (laughs) Anyway. I should learn to read, at which point school authorities would present her with a retirement wheelchair and roll her out the door. However, God changed those plans when he gave her a growing passion for writing fiction. In May of 2016, she blew goodbye kisses to her students and dedicated her work hours to becoming an author. She's a wife, mother of three, and grandmother to eight, and she regales the youngest grandchildren with Nona stories, which are tales of her childhood. Maybe one day those stories will be in picture books. Well,
0: I love that. Love your history. i'm i I feel a little out of my depth between two teachers here. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> today's interview. I'm only a student <laughs> um, okay. all right, Linda, what I liked um is that you and I have something in common and that we're both Air Force brats, not just military okay. officers, but Air Force brats, yeah. So you moved around more than I did, it sounds like. There were a lot of moves the first 13 years of my life, yeah. Wow. Because we moved like every three years and it sounded like you moved almost yearly or every couple of years. Twice, twice a year. Oh for gosh. <laughs> mm-hmm. gosh, that's that's... Yeah, it's a lot, but I don't know, it shapes you. I think the, the military life shapes you. Um, I was a very shy kid myself and you have to learn. And I was,
2: it, it didn't help. Then I had to make friends all the time. It was always the, the
0: next semester time to make another friend. Gosh,
2: it's, it's, so yes, it's, I was shy
1: about that.
0: <laughs> well, I I can totally relate to that and stuff. Um, so let's talk about your process of writing a book, about how long does it take you to write a book? Well,
2: that depends on what you're talking about in writing a book, because I started writing the ideas for reaching into silence when I was in my early 30s. Mm-hmm. I am now in my late 60s. <laughs> so, you look
0: fabulous, by the way.
2: <laughs> thanks. But I wanted I wanted to at least remember things from my childhood while I still had that memory. And over the years, when we talk remember when, whens with family, then I would add to those notes. I really started writing, reaching into silence about 2015. And um, I was learning how to seriously be a novelist at that point. So what I thought would be just fun, I had started with NaNoWriMo and writing fiction and thought, well, this is just so much fun. I'm going to have a book written in 30 days and we'll polish it up and off it'll go. No, that's not the way it works. So I began to learn different things about the writing craft. And I saw that while I had a good bare bones ability, I needed a lot of finesse. So it has taken all this time, eight years, to take Reaching into Silence from one book to three, because my critique groups would tell me, you're not going deep enough. You're not telling us enough about your characters. And I said, well, if I do that, the book is going to be like 600 pages, and this is supposed to be for kids. And they said, then make it more than one book. And it was like, ding, oh and it split itself into three separate books so easily. And then I just started working on three books, just split it up into three sections and worked on all three of them over time. So I would say it took me about two years per book. Now, I think having learned what I've learned, any book that I write now will probably take about six months to get a good first draft and then polish it and see where I can go for shopping it around
0: right um so it sounds like advice for for authors is is part critique group part maybe attending conferences i have oh, seen conferences and- you cannot do it on your
2: own knowledge it is the very very rare person who has so much natural talent they can write a book with no instruction And somebody says, oh, I love it. I'm buying it. We'll publish it for you. There's always something
0: that you're missing. Do you have a favorite writing craft book that you've used?
2: Uh, Emotional Craft of Fiction. That got me into going deeper because that was my hard part of writing. I can do dialogue that comes so natural. I just have an ear for it. I can do sensory detail now, although that was the first lesson I learned. I would do the typical new novelist. I have all these characters talking to each other, and the critique group would say, they're suspended in midair. Where are they? Give us some details what surrounds them. So I learned how to do that. But getting into the nitty gritty of my characters, that, that's still I'm still learning about that, and I'm getting better.
0: It, it, it takes practice. Emotional Craft of Fiction is by Donald Moss, by the way, yes. M-A-A-S-S, for those who are watching and, and might be interested. Um, I was going
1: to make a note on NaNoWriMo. She mentioned NaNoWriMo. For those who don't know what that is, um, That's a, there's an organization that you can uh, join. It's free. And you can um, write a novel in company with other people, so to speak, who you can befriend and um, you can keep track of the writing. And there's a bunch of tips and there's a bunch of um, kind of information that goes along with that. And they challenge everyone to write 50,000 words, whether that's an entire novel or not, or maybe more than one, depending on what you're writing, um, in the month of November. And so that's why it's called NaNoWriMo. It's National Novel Writing Month what that stands for. So there's a little, and that's coming up soon. If you're interested in getting involved yeah. with that, you can go to the nanoWriMo.org and find out about that. So there's my, there's my commercial for nanoWriMo. <laughs> <laughs> your
0: now, NanoWriMo does, does help you get the words on the page, but yes, yes. we definitely need to do the editing after it. Yes. <laughs> yes. Rarely write, you know, the book is right. not perfect.
1: It teaches, no. it taught me how to write quicker just to kind of like you said just to get the words down and I had trouble with that at first so that was a it was a really good lesson for me um, personally learning to write that way but um, there's definitely it's not a polished draft when you're done that's for sure
2: and basically no self-editing allowed during that month that you're writing right you can always go back and fix it later
0: yeah yeah. but no, it's just getting getting the words down. Right. Um Linda, you you and I probably could be twins here because I've also not been accused, but been told I don't go deep enough with my oh. characters. So it's comforting, though, as as writers when we all talk, there there are similar things that a lot of us go through together. And it is learning the craft, getting the going deeper with the characters, learning dialogue, learning setting learning editing i know rebecca you tend to write a lot of words i'm going to teach Thank you, you a
1: little <laughs> bit. i'm learning to um cut words that's my biggest problem I, i'm learning actually my biggest thing is learning to make sure that each scene has a purpose and i think that's a big thing for you for new writers and young writers is they just want to write all the fun stuff but each scene must drive the story forward as the phrase goes right and so we have to learn first of all what does that mean what does drive the story forward how what what even is that and then how do you make sure that your scene is doing that and so linda did you have any trouble with that when you started or was it was that more of a a natural thing
2: that was not natural i was actually clueless Um, it was at one of our american christian fiction writers from indiana meetings when I was pretty new at at this, that they brought up scenes that you needed to, that you should write scenes. And I'm thinking, there's got to be one or 200 scenes in a book. I'm supposed to write 100 separate scenes? Yeah. Whatever it takes for your story, for the whole novel, they are made in scenes. And once I saw what they meant by a scene, I was like, I can do that. What a great idea. It changed my writing completely because I was no longer thinking chapters, which is a fine way to organize. But I was thinking, okay, this happens in one scene. Now what happens because of that scene? Mm -hmm. So it taught me how to create a chain of events building to my climax and then resolving. And each one was a scene, was a link in a chain.
0: And it finally made sense to me, yeah. you you had that whole connective thread running scene yeah. by scene
1: mm-hmm.
0: by scene, Yeah. Yeah, don't, that's great. The, the epiphany of scenes. I love that. All right. So let's let's dig in a little bit to reaching into silence, which is somewhat autobiographical. Yes, it is. I have great fun
2: with people who know me and read it and say, was this part true? Was this part true? And they can't tell what things really happened to me and what things I made up. So... Ooh. I think I did a great job of mixing fiction and nonfiction. If they can't tell the difference, then I feel like I did a really good job at putting together
0: the whole story. Yeah. Yeah. No, well done. Well, I, as I said earlier, starting out this conversation is I could relate to the uh, talking about life in a military family, which you did well. And obviously that comes from the experience (laughs) and it resonated so much in my head. Um, but we're talking the characters of, of Debbie, your your yes. main protagonist, mm-hmm. um, as a as a preteen or young teenager, and she seems to be the only one who really understands her baby sister Krista, um, and and the idea of of that Krista may be deaf, which back- or at least she thinks she's the only one. <laughs> <You
2: know? laughs> like, she may be blaming her mother and father for not listening to her and all that, but
0: that's part of being twelve, also. Yeah, yeah. So, is is Debbie based partly on you, or is there? Oh uh, yes, is she? Yeah, Debbie and I have most
2: things in common. <laughs> but... She's a better version of me. Though. <laughs>
0: well, isn't that what we do with most of our characters, right? We're yes, we try. <laughs> <laughs>
1: there,
0: there are better versions of that. But to talk about again, life in a military family to me is enough to sustain a story, and then you've got the the this dynamic with the family and then with the the issues that the baby Krista right. has as well and and yet you've you've focused this story for for middle grade young mm-hmm. adult readers yes to impact them to show them acceptance of you know family for
2: many I think that's multi layers of why I would write for them. But I taught middle school for decades.
1: Mm-hmm. And
2: if my sister came up as a topic that, oh, you have a sister who was totally deaf. What was it like growing up with someone who can't hear at all? And she had um, cerebral palsy also. Not a bad case, but it affected how she developed. And she had heart surgery done as an infant, and she was blind in one eye. So all these things adding together, that was a lot to live with. When you're a kid, you're not thinking so much about that, that it's a lot to live with. The parents are feeling it, but Mm -hmm. a kid doesn't always see that. So I'm hoping I showed especially mom's tension throughout Mm -hmm. that she was hanging in there, But in reality, she was a basket case inside. She was being strong for her family, but so worried about this baby. Mm -hmm. And she needed her older children to be helpful, especially by the second book. And we're gearing in on reaching into silence, but there's two more books in the series. And the older children are growing up. And the foreshadowing of the Vietnam War and the military family comes to life in book two. Mm-hmm. So then mom will have even more stress on her mm-hmm. and she needs those older kids to help out
1: mm-hmm.
2: with so much going on with the baby and her special
0: needs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. My, my father went to Vietnam as well. As it's actually mm-hmm. relating. Yep. <laughs> so Rebecca, didn't you live something?
1: in Virginia as well? Was it Virginia? No, you, no, not Virginia.
2: No, I you lived did in, live in New York, Virginia,
1: though, right? You did live in okay, in, yeah. Right. But the book wasn't Virginia. Sorry, the book was not Virginia. It was where was the beach? I forget.
2: That was on Long Island. Oh, okay, Long Island. Yeah. Well,
1: not too far from Virginia. It was East Coast, so hey. yes, you were we're on the East Coast. I'm I'm on the same ocean. <laughs> yes, <laughs> All right. Uh, Linda,
0: you, you mentioned your, your, the next two books in the series. Tell us the titles of them so people can look for them.
2: Okay. The second book is Dancing in the Silence,
0: at which point
2: Krista, the baby, is going on to and how she is developing at once they have found out what's going on. And then book three is Speaking Through the Silence, where the whole idea is to help Krista communicate with language and at that point she's three four because
0: mm-hmm.
2: each book takes a year and a half to two years to cover
0: no, that's that's really great. it's It's an interesting series. Um, I also here we go, twins again, Linda. I have deaf cousins. and okay. so I remember going to the family reunions and and we all learned at least the alphabet and sign language, so we could say hi to them, but they were great lip readers. Um, okay. but i I so I can kind of relate to maybe what my aunt and uncle were going through because they had three kids that were deaf and two that wow. were hearing um. Wow and and so there's something that that runs in our family and in yeah. the sign language but it seemed like the family the the other siblings even the hearing siblings were very caring um taking the stress off but yeah i can't imagine what my aunt um, you know and and
2: i think it probably depends if there were other deaf people already in the family then maybe it wasn't as much stress because maybe they had grown up with deaf family members so it becomes
0: something you're just yeah. used to it's, it's something you deal with well, well um, you know I don't know this is the first that I know of of my cousins anyway hmm. a bunch of cousins <laughs> but um, no my favorite little story is my aunt and uncle we were at a big family reunion and they're across the room from each other far away but they're signing yeah, to they each other. <laughs> how fabulous you don't even have to be next to each other exactly it's like a secret code yeah, it is yeah. very, very fun um in in that sense. But I think, you know, it, it's helpful for, like you said, the middle grades to read a story like this, for me to have grown up in a sense with it, watching my cousins and, and, you know, deaf people are people too. I hope that doesn't, yes. you know, oh, that yes. is a different way of communicating different, you know, it's just a different language. Well, right. Usually the
1: problem with, you know middle school kids too they're terrified of things they're not familiar with and so to have a a story that explains you know what's going on and how um it's not weird you know that's their right. every, everything is weird to a middle schooler or, or odd or strange and and then they don't they don't want to accept that because they don't like anything that's different so the fact that you're writing this story for them to see that this is not weird or odd or different mm-hmm it's just something you deal with and, and it doesn't make that person less than or, you know, anything like that. And so that's a very important story, you know, important um, thing for a middle schooler to learn because a lot of the bullying and the, the problems that the kids have relationally is because somebody's just a little bit different than them, you know, not exactly the same, doesn't have the same belief or look quite the same or act quite the same. And so, Anything you can do to bring a middle school kid into a different situation, get them to accept it, I feel like is is just setting them on a course later for them to accept the next thing that comes along and the next thing. So in that, it's a great service. and And we definitely don't have enough books for middle school kids that are um, quality books that show these kinds of of situations,
2: so. yeah, you're you're absolutely right about that. And I would add that it makes it just as good of a book for adults to read because many adults are still the same way. If it's different, Mm -hmm. they just kind of step back. They don't know how to treat a person. They may not bully them the way a middle schooler might, but they don't want to deal with it. They do think it's less than. Deaf people, the deaf community gets very uh, impatient with hearing people who act like they are special needs Mm -hmm. They don't consider themselves handicapped. Mm -hmm. Let's say, learn a little sign language and you'll be fine. Mm -hmm. And they are rather brusque in telling you that (laughs) because, and I understand their brusqueness. By the time you get to book three, you realize that the educational establishment at that time did not want parents teaching their children Mm -hmm. sign language. Mm -hmm. They would not do it in the school's, they told parents to ignore their child if the child tried to sign to them. There are some heartbreaking anecdotes out there of mm-hmm. just a parent doing what the establishment told them only to find out that their child was trying to say, "I love you, Mommy,"
0: mm-hmm.
2: and getting ignored or getting their hand slapped.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And that's just the worst thing in the world for a deaf person not to communicate if they don't have language. So my sister started out with that those first few years of her life, there was no sign language. And fortunately, the school she ended up in was a Catholic school. And I think the nuns decided this is not helpful to only teach them to read lips. They don't even know language. They don't have vocabulary experience. So they started teaching fingerspelling, and then they started adding signs. They always did speech, too. It was what was called at that time total communication. Now I think they call it cube speech. I'm not sure. Terminology changes all the time. But my sister did grow up then, after starting around age nine, that she could learn sign language and fingerspelling and go to speech class,
0: which she hated, but... She had to do that part, too. Yeah,
1: mm-hmm.
0: But yeah, very, very important. So it's reaching into silence, dancing into silence and speaking into silence are the three books.
2: Um, well, each one has a different. Yeah, there's a different connector. <laughs> dancing in the silence. Silence, sorry. <laughs> through the silence.
0: Good, but' keep, it has silence at track. the end of each one. yeah <laughs> again, I, I think it's uh, an important series for, like you said, even adults to read as well as their middle grade and maybe read with their middle grade or younger children. Um, yes, yeah, I think
2: so. In fact, that's what that was one thing I was going to add from your original questions. I'm working on a curriculum guide for teachers. And one of my best friends, who's a teacher at the school I used to teach in, she's going to put it in her fifth grade class. So we're both really excited. She's already ordered the books and she can't wait to get the finished curriculum guide from me. She's looked at it and said, yeah, I like what you've got here. So I'm excited to have her practice with it and offer it to homeschoolers, Christian schools. I'll offer it to uh, public schools also because it has Christian elements in it. I don't know if they will be interested, but
0: I'll still offer it. I think that's fabulous. Wonderful. Okay. Um, And besides these middle grade books, you like to write, I'm going to switch topics a little bit, women's fiction. So what are you working on next? I have started a women's fiction series,
2: which is split time. So it, yeah, which has been, there's a challenge and a new learning curve for me. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but it seems to be the way the story was coming out. So it's based on four women who were college roommates and best friends then. And they've remained excellent friends through the years. So it's it starts with them at a late 40s. So they've known each other for 30 years. And in each book, each, one woman will be the featured protagonist with the others always around to support her. And it will focus on a particular problem that she's having in midlife. So the first one is uh, a missionary widow and all the problems that she had created for herself while they were missionaries. It's gonna be a very hard book for some people to read because this missionary and her husband left the children behind after a while since they were in Central Africa and they had his brother raise them. But she has this convoluted, often what Christians do to themselves, sense of guilt and shame over something that the Lord would have forgiven her immediately, but she can't let go of it. So the whole character arc is her learning the truth of how you go back to God And accept his forgiveness and and forgive yourself.
0: Yeah, so so powerful. Such a great theme. Such a great theme of that. Because we're terrible at forgiving ourselves. We are. Learning forgiveness. So is this a series that's the cracked quartet series? Yes. There, they were four music majors
2: and they (laughs) ended up calling themselves the cracked quartet. Because of the problems they were having, when it goes back in time, it'll often go back to their college years where one or the other is annoying each other or having a particular
0: problem that's much easier solved than once they are hitting fifty. Wow, oh, that, that looks fabulous. We look forward to that. Do you have a release date yet? Or are you still, oh, just, no. still working? Yeah, because I'm not writing. self-published. So the first book is
2: done, but I had so much to do in publishing the three books for winged publications. I didn't have time to do what I wanted to in getting a proposal ready. I have an agent who wants to see it, but I I haven't found the time to really do a good job for it and everything else I'm doing with world without sound series mm-hmm. so we're coming up we with another year's worth of going to a conference and i may be presenting it
0: again to the same <laughs>
2: lady i've been trying this is what i'm working on
0: yep. hey life of a writer here this is you know, it's it's persistence and going back i've done that yep. before too repeated a pitch to
2: and and making it good
0: Because I thought I'd have time to polish it
2: and get it to her in a couple months. But at the very same time, this publisher said, I want your other books. And I thought, well, I guess that's the priority. (laughs) (laughs) It's what I'm writing for. I'd like to be published. So here we go.
0: Absolutely. Um, Rebecca, do you have any other questions before we wrap up here for Linda?
1: Um, No, I mean, we have the... uh, we have the advantage of knowing each other fairly well. So we, we've been uh, together in the same ACFW uh, group and, um, and have shared quite a few of these things. So I already knew a lot of it, but I, I think it's so fun to hear, you know, the progress and what's going on and, and to see that and i'm so happy that you were able to get the book contract and get these books out because i know it was very important to you
2: um
1: you want to it was for you not for just you but your mother correct you wanted to make right. i
2: wanted her to be alive when they got published
1: (laughs) she made it
0: Well, that's good. Linda, do you have a website uh, where people can find you and learn more about the books and when the Crack Quartet series starts coming out?
2: Yes, and that's lindasamaritan.com. Just know that Samaritan is spelled with two Ms in the middle.
0: We will add that to our information, but that is S-A-M-M-A-R-I-T-A-N lindasamaritan.com yes. pretty easy. I like those straightforward mm-hmm. websites there. So be on the lookout. Meanwhile, uh look for the or pick up the um ah, yes. world and books are on sale on Amazon. Worlds
1: Without Sound. Yeah. Worlds Without
0: Sound, the name just the worlds <laughs> reaching into silence <laughs> and and the other two books after that. Uh Linda, we certainly appreciate your time. Appreciate you being here. Um, uh, reaching into silence was was really wonderful uh, well done book and and i oh, think it's you. important and i'm glad you took the time to wrote it and write it especially being so autobiographical too it's putting your heart out there on the page yeah it is <laughs> that's good
2: thank you for inviting okay, we got me next i month. feel honored
0: that I'm i could sorry. be
2: an author interviewed by you guys
0: oh thank you so much <laughs> it's our honor actually <laughs> yeah. to do that um coming up next month we will be uh doing our review of redeeming the cowboy by lisa jordan and that's how we're ending our 2023 in december we will be interviewing lisa so we're excited to have her there and then 2024, I can't believe it, already. I know, up.
1: two years.
0: <laughs> so <laughs> quick, <laughs> Yes. And um, we're kicking it off with the fabulous romantic suspense author, Colleen Coble. And we're going to mm. be reviewing her brand new book coming out in January 2024 called Fragile Designs. And then we'll be interviewing Colleen in February. So we have lots to look forward to. Um, and we're excited. <laughs> that's it but for today we are so glad that Linda was here and and pick up Reaching Into Silence and and the books that follow it's really wonderful so until next time see ya bye goodbye